0: So much for that, chap. Uh, my name's Devon. Um It's a privilege to be able to um, bring God's word to you this morning. Today we're continuing our series in the book of Ruth. Uh, so let's pray as we begin. Heavenly Father, open our hearts, our ears, and our lives to hear the truth from Your word. Help us to believe it and to love it, and give our lives for You. In Jesus' name, Amen there's something captivating about a good love story. Uh, Take Romeo and Juliet, for example, written back in 1597. We still resonate with this tragic story of two star-crossed lovers today. We we resonate with soulmates who find love and also the heartache of love lost. Uh, In more recent times, the notebook was a movie which captivated the hearts of its audience, uh, telling the story of Ali and Noah who fall in love, uh, grow old together, and die in each other's arms. It's not spoiling it if it's over 20 years old, right? (laughs) Um, Then there's uh, the Twilight series, a love story between a girl and a vampire. That's right, love story's getting real weird but there's just something about boy meets girl, or or for some people, vampire meets girl, that really tugs at our hearts and draws us in. Uh, Why is this? You know, I I used to think that um, romantic comedies were for girls and action was for boys, but I don't think that's the case. Because love is a universal and fundamental human experience. Uh, Many of us can relate to the the emotions, the challenges, the the joys associated with love stories. And and we often find in these characters a part of ourselves, a part of us that longs for for this type of love, that, that, that rejoices when we find it and weeps when we lose it. Um, Even in this, this story written back in 1597, we can still identify with the hopes, the dreams, and the tears of Romeo and Juliet. Good love stories remain timeless, and they maintain their relevance even hundreds of years later. I probably wouldn't put Twilight in that category. Uh, But, you know, in this way, love stories, they are the story of humanity, and and they echo our deepest longings that seem to cut across time and culture. Uh, You could say that the book of Ruth is a love story, but not the one you might expect Um, Over the years, some people have used this passage as a blueprint for dating and marriage today, that today Ruth shows us how to find a spouse like Boaz, but please don't try this. (laughs) Um, This isn't um, ancient Hebrew dating advice, but no, this is something even more bold and more beautiful. Um, Because if all you see here today is boy meets girl, you've actually missed a much deeper and better love story that might surprise you. Um, When you heard this passage read just then, you might have found it strange and ambiguous. And I think that's intentional. But ultimately what will prevail is extraordinary kindness. It's this word, kindness, or chesed, that's used throughout the book of Ruth. It's, it's a word in the Old Testament that communicates faithful covenant love. And it's this kindness that's uh, woven through this whole encounter, and it will sing of a more beautiful love story that we all need. Um, so first, let's explore this encounter between Ruth and Boaz, which reveals great kindness. Uh, You'll remember that Naomi and her family uh, left the promised land of Israel for Moab because of a famine, but there, tragedy strikes. Uh, Naomi loses her husband and her two sons, and she returns now back to her homeland with only Ruth as a daughter-in-law. But from from here, their their fortunes begin to change. Um, Last week, we were introduced to Boaz a man of great kindness. He, he, he cares for Ruth like one of his own and generously provides for Ruth and Naomi. And now here in verse one, Naomi is proposing a daring plan. Uh, she knows, sure, it's nice to have received uh, generosity from Boaz so far for Ruth to be able to work in his fields. But she knows this isn't a permanent arrangement. So she wants to find a lasting solution for Ruth that will secure not just her present, but her future. So the plan goes like this. Uh, Boaz will be winnowing barley at the threshing floor. Uh, Once grain was harvested, it was carried into the threshing floor, which was an open space where the husks were removed from the kernels. Now, while this is happening, Ruth, go take a bath. Ruth, anoint yourself with perfume. Put on your best clothes. Wait till Boaz has finished eating and drinking and lies down to sleep. And then go and uncover his feet and lie down next to him. Now what on earth is going on here? What on earth? And on top of this, the threshing floor was seen to be a place, a dangerous place, which back then was associated with darkness and debauchery. And this will take place at night. And this will be a private encounter between a man and a woman. I mean, isn't this the exact opposite of what you would tell a guy and girl to do together? So why would Naomi tell Ruth to do this? Well, she is seeking to secure for Ruth a future. That Ruth wouldn't just be Boaz's worker, but his wife. What Naomi is planning here is a marriage proposal. You may have um, seen or been part of elaborate proposals over the years. Maybe a proposal on a hot air balloon or a scavenger hunt. Um, in my case, I proposed uh, to Nat while I was jumping up and down on a trampoline. Uh <laughs> It turns out it's not a great idea trying to propose on a trampoline, and it really shows that life is full of ups and downs. You. Good, you got it. <laughs> well, Ruth's proposal here is far more dramatic than that. Because as she puts on nice clothes, as she anoints herself with perfume, she's dressing herself as a bride. I mean, imagine someone come to you dressed in a bridal gown or, or in a suit. They got down on one knee, and they asked for your hand in marriage. Would you say yes? It's very forward. It's very daring. Uh, but this is more than just a girl proposing to a boy. This is a bold step of faith. Uh, But to understand why, we need to understand how um, land-owning worked back in Israel. Because um, Naomi and her family are poor. They were impacted by famine. They had to sell their ancestral land in Israel. Now, there are two ways a family could get back, reclaim their land once it had been sold. Uh, God didn't want society to, to be characterized by huge divergences between rich and poor. And so every 50 years on the year of Jubilee, all the land would return to its original owners. Um, But of course, 50 years is a long time to wait. Uh, So Leviticus uh, 25 provides that land could also be bought back by someone called a kinsman redeemer. Land could be bought back by a member of the family to restore their wealth and their future. Uh, so as Ruth goes to propose to Boaz on the threshing floor, she's trusting in God's law. She's trusting that God's people will provide for them through his word and through the generosity of his people. It's a bold step of faith. Because even as they trust in God's promises, it doesn't mean they don't plan. It doesn't mean they don't take active steps here to ensure their future. Uh, Ruth and them they're not waiting around for a blessing. They're actively pursuing it. Ruth agrees to this plan. And in verse 6, she does exactly as Naomi planned. Uh, Boaz is well fed and he goes to sleep on a heap of grain. That, that's where they slept to protect, protect the grain from theft. And, and then as Boaz awakes to the cold air, what does he see? His feet uncovered, a woman lying right there. Um, it's obviously pitch black because he's, he's got no idea who this person is. And so in Ru- uh, verse 9, Ruth says, I am Ruth your servant, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Um, In Ezekiel 16, you'll see this is a request for marriage. Ruth is asking Boaz to enter into a marriage covenant with her, claim her as his bride and redeem the land. I I mean, imagine how vulnerable Ruth is here. Imagine the position she's put herself in. She's out at night, in private, on the threshing floor, in the time of the judges, asking a man to marry her. Uh, During a time when Israel neglected God's word, a lot of men in that situation might have taken advantage of Ruth. Um, There was no accountability in the nation, God's laws weren't honored, justice wasn't protected, so Ruth is taking a massive risk. She's entrusting herself entirely into the hands of her Redeemer. It's completely up to Boaz what he's going to do to Ruth. So what happens next? Nothing happens. The most remarkable thing about this scene is that nothing happens. Of course, this doesn't make for a great drama or scandal, but Boaz's character is so outstanding, he doesn't do anything to Ruth. Instead, he he blesses her. He says, may you be blessed by the Lord. He's in awe of her. He, He commends Ruth for not pursuing younger men and assures her that he will do as she asks. He agrees to marry her. Ruth gets down on one knee, and Boaz says, yes, a thousand times, yes. Not quite, (laughs) not quite. Because in in the ancient world, marriage worked differently. Um, Back then, you didn't marry for romance or companionship. You married for provision and security. So so this this isn't a, a love story in the conventional sense because by uh, Boaz agreeing to marry Ruth, what he's saying is that he will buy back the family land. He will redeem their future. He will take that financial debt on himself. It's an enormous sacrifice and kindness to Ruth. Um, not only is he taking on a debt that wasn't his, he's agreeing to marry a Moabite, an enemy of Israel. He's Risking his reputation to redeem this family. And of course, by marrying Ruth, all of his wealth, all of his worth will now belong to her. He isn't just taking on a debt that isn't his. He's going to give Ruth everything he has. It's why in our modern day, some people sign prenups prenuptial agreements because the risk of marriage is too big. But in Christian marriage, you are giving everything for the sake of the other. You are laying down your entire wealth, your, your everything for your spouse. What was yours is now theirs. And that's what's happening here. Um, We often bring our Western conceptions and expectations of marriage to this passage. But I hope you can see this is a far greater love story than just boy meets girl. Uh, There's no indication that Boaz was physically attracted to Ruth or Ruth was attracted to Boaz. That's not the point. Boaz is doing this simply as an act of kindness, as an act of grace, and their lives would never be the same. And so in one sense, even though in one sense nothing's happening here, um, in another sense this is passionate love because they're giving everything for love. This love is so selfless because it's not driven by what Boaz wants and needs. His love is driven by what Ruth needs, what's best for her and her family. Uh, Boaz is so protective of Ruth, he he doesn't want to to return home back at night by herself, but uh, to leave early in the morning so she'd be safe. Um, And of course, like the good future son-in-law he is, and what makes my Asian heart melt a little bit, he brings leftovers for his mother-in-law. He's just the best type of bloke, isn't he? Uh, Naomi is willing to, to send Ruth into this potentially dangerous situation. Why? Because ultimately she knows the character of bias. And though Ruth is completely at his mercy, what she finds is someone that's not going to take advantage of her. She's found a redeemer. Someone who honors her, protects her, and demonstrates covenant love. Faith involves so much risk, doesn't it? Um, For us, as as we turn to follow Jesus, we're taking a risk. We we are coming into this journey of faith where Jesus calls us to die to ourselves, to leave everything behind and follow him. In one sense, we're trusting entrusting everything to Jesus with the hope that he is who he says he is. But what will you what you'll find as you do that, just like Boaz, Jesus without hesitation says, Yes, I will redeem you. Um, this Jesus, the one who, who willfully and joyfully takes on our debt of sin which wasn't his and gives us all of his wealth which wasn't ours. Do you see this Jesus who, who binds himself to us with covenant love and says, everything which is mine is yours. Uh, Boaz, by um, agreeing to marry Ruth, is showing a great act of Kindness. Um, but in this passage, there's a hidden kindness that I think reveals an e- even deeper love than this, which may surprise you. Because um, this marriage between Ruth and Boaz is more about, more than just about land. It's about a name. Deuteronomy 25 explains something called leveret marriage. Um, if a man's brother died it was that man's duty to marry his deceased brother's widow um, if they didn't have children. Um, Basically, a man marries his dead brother's wife to not only provide for her, but to continue his brother's name and his line by providing children. Uh, Back then, preserving a name and a legacy was incredibly important. Um, even in, in some cultures today, having children is incredibly important to bring honor and to preserve the family line. Um, and of course, though, Boaz isn't strictly a brother, something similar is at play here. He's a close relative of Elimelech, who is Naomi's deceased husband. But, but remember, he can't marry Naomi because she's too old to have kids herself. So Naomi's only hope for a future and a name is for Ruth to step into her place and to continue her family line with Boaz. It's a beautiful thing for Naomi to have arranged this marriage because, you know, she wants to provide a future for Ruth. But I want you to think about this. Who is Ruth doing this for? She's not doing it for herself. Ruth is not saying, marry me, Boaz, because I've fallen madly in love with you. She's saying, marry me. Why? Because of verse 9. Because you're our guardian redeemer. She's saying, marry me, preserve the family name. Through me, provide Naomi with an heir. Do it because of my love for Naomi. Naomi. In verse 10, Boaz says to Ruth, you've made this last kindness greater than the first. Kindness towards who? Not towards him. Towards Naomi. Ruth's earlier kindness was not forsaking Naomi and providing for her needs. And now he's saying, Ruth, you could have chosen anyone to marry. You could have chosen a younger man who'd be able to provide for you for longer, but instead you've chosen me. Why? It's not a young woman taking pity on an old man. It's much more amazing than that. She's chosen Boaz because he is Naomi's only hope to preserve a name, a legacy, and a future. Because as Ruth marries Boaz, her children would continue the family line for Naomi. Essentially, Ruth will be a surrogate. Ruth is willing to give away her rights and her future to give Naomi hers. In some sense, she will give away not just her money, she will give her whole life for Naomi. I want you to think back to um, chapter one. Can you remember what does Ruth pledge? She says to her mother-in-law back then, she says, For where you will go, I will go. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God, my God. And where you die, I will die. It sounds a lot like a marriage vow, doesn't it? Essentially, we're saying this in our marriage vows, that we promise to be with the other person in every circumstance, for better or worse, richer or poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part and that's the key bit right in marriage you are vowing that nothing but death should separate us and so indeed this passage is, is often read at weddings but not surprisingly that last bit is normally left out uh, most weddings today wouldn't dare read that last bit in verse 17. I mean imagine making this vow on your wedding day May the Lord do so to me and more. Would I be cursed by God if anything but death parts me from you? It's a very scary thing to sign up for. But here, this is what Ruth is covenanting freely and willingly to her mother-in-law. And that's why as now she proposes to Boaz, this marriage won't just bind her and Boaz forever, it's going to bind her and Naomi forever. I think the the reason this book is called Ruth is because Ruth's the true savior. She's the true redeemer of this book. Um, This is a love story, not so much boy meets girl, but between a daughter and her mother in law. Here it is um, the kindness and covenant love between Ruth and Naomi that's the most pure, beautiful, and powerful form of love in this book. This type of love changes the world. This type of love can change your life too. Because, you know, in your life, yes, you will grow by reading good books and coming to listen to sermons, but that alone is not going to change you your life will only transform through deep covenant relationships. You know, you may find that you don't remember a single thing we pastors say to you up the front. You may not remember any life group or study you did in life group, but you won't forget the people. You won't forget the impact they had on you. And friends, if you have just one relationship like this in your life, if you have just one person in your life who would love you like this, whether it's a friend or a family, you should count yourself exceedingly rich. Because that's what Ruth is to Naomi here. She's a friend. She's a daughter who loves her. It's hard to characterize this relationship because it's it's kind of part friendship, part family, part community. But isn't this what the church should be, friendship and family. And, and so across Cross Culture, yes, we want you to serve. We want you to be in a life group. We want you here at our Sunday gatherings because through these things, we really want you to experience the beauty of relationship. Uh, Proverbs 18 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so at this church, though we, we want you to be kind to everyone here, we also want you to go deep with a few. Uh, we need to see our relationships with others as a, as a great act of kindness and generosity towards each other. And so can I encourage you here today, would you, would you begin to pray and be on the lookout for just one person that you might bless with the gift of of friendship. Um, it's It's this relationship between Ruth and Naomi that echoes the greatest love story ever told. In John 15, Jesus says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. It's Jesus' love for you that drove him not just to risk everything, but to lose everything. He's, he, he lost his wealth, his life, his everything, so that we could have it all. Um, the, the reason our hearts beat and ache as we, as we read and, and watch love stories is because this is what we were created for. You were created for this type of love. Regardless of who you are, you need this type of love, that a love that's going to freely and joyfully cling to you. A love that will never forsake you and will stay with you even beyond the grave. And that's why Jesus came. That's why we're here today. Um, as we've seen today, this is, it's not boy meets girl, but it's a woman and her daughter-in-law. That is the true love story of this book. Uh, But before we end here, there's a complication in in verse 12. Um, Although Boaz is a redeemer, there's someone closer in position. There's someone else with a closer relation who has the first right to marry Ruth. So, So will their best laid plans come to pass? everything ultimately will rest in God's providential control. Um, And that's what we're going to find out in our final sermon on Ruth next week. So let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are a God who is so kind, a God who loves the unlovable, who gave everything for love. Lord, please give to us deep friendships and covenant relationships that would change us and make us more like you. We thank you for Jesus, the true and faithful friend, the true and faithful brother who clings to us and never lets us go. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.